Welcome to Tenet Men. I'm your host, Steve, and I am joined by Kevin, and together we are doing a complete methodical review of the Christopher Nolan 2020 epic high-concept time travel film, Tenet. We are doing a minute-by-minute analysis of the film by conducting our own temporal pincer movement. I am on the red team moving forward through the film. Kevin is on the blue team traveling in reverse. Kevin, how are you? You know, being on the blue team, I mean, it's happily named because it is can be kind of depressing because you already know, like kind of already know what's going to happen <laughs> you've already been through it once <laughs> you're reliving it uh, yeah but it's also exciting because you get to see it happen in reverse right yeah the novelty wears off quick <laughs> <laughs> are you like on the the b team blue b b team yeah exactly you like <laughs> i guess a... it's it's kind of like being on the practice squad of a major team right <laughs> <laughs> one day they'll call up your number we've talked about this before i feel like you have to be you have to be the elite to be on the blue team right you have to like you have to really know your stuff hmm i don't know it's a <laughs> that's why you need to tell we get we're not really given any information as to who's on what team yeah how the power fair. rankings are it does <laughs> it does seem like ives is the more experienced one towards the end I Ives is the biggest mystery in this for sure, right? Like, yeah, he seems like a total badass. He seems like he, although he, you know, gets himself knocked out somehow for like three minutes. <laughs> there, yes, exactly. And there is a little bit of like, there's a little bit of like competitive rivalry between him and Neil. I wonder if that's no. a red team, blue team rivalry or. <laughs> all right. All right. So you're going into battle and you could choose one, one of three of these guys. Who are you taking with you? Oh, I, I, Neil. <laughs> You're thinking Neil? Why Neil? He makes the ultimate sacrifice. Oh, he's willing to make the sacrifice. Yeah. Okay. I, he could be, I, without him, the mission never doesn't go down. Right. I mean, you could take the protagonist. I feel like that's cheating. Um, the only other person I think we know is Wheeler. Well, no, Ives. I'm saying you could take Ives, Neil, or the protagonist. Like those are your three choices. You have to go into battle with one of them. I feel like me and Ives would be like too similar. <laughs> Oil and water. <laughs> yeah, like or just two dog, like a dog staring in the mirror. Like you know, we both got beards. <laughs> Nobody can understand us. <laughs> All right, so Neil or the protagonist? Then you're, you're going with Neil. I also feel like Ives is one of those people that just kind of um, failed upwards. <laughs> he brings very little to the mission. <laughs> I'm, I get the, yeah, I get that. He feeling. completely relies on the protagonist and Neil taking care of the, taking care of this mission for him. And then at the end, he goes, he pulls a gun and goes, "All right, this is my prize." <laughs> I might. Well, so you saying taking the protagonist is cheating? I think I would take the protagonist. Yeah, because Neil Neil's like the brains of the operation, but you know, the protagonist brings some muscle. Right, the guy can fight. I don't mm-hmm. have, I can't fight. <laughs> I, need to, <laughs> I can be the brains in battle, but I can't, you know. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, I, that's the thing. I think me and Ives would just argue the whole time. I, I, I'd spend all my time fighting him. <laughs> I, Ives is muscle too, but he seems like he just seems incompetent sometimes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like he didn't see that tripwire. Like what's going on? Yeah. Yeah. He's he didn't kind of think... annoying. He, he like in the middle scene, like when we first meet Ives, he's kind of annoying actually. Yeah. He's not very supportive of like the protagonist going on his little backwards mission and stuff. He's kind of a jerk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think I'd get along with him. Exactly. I want, I want, you know, the protagonist is the right type of snark and muscle <laughs> that uh, that I need. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> All right, well, let's get into it. <laughs> now, one more thing, I did oh. see the Oppenheimer trailer, and by the time this comes out, it'll be out for a while. But I did see the I, Oppenheimer tra- trailer also. I was surprised. I saw it in the theater. Oh. I, I was going to see Top Gun Maverick for the second time, not because I wanted to, <laughs> but because I took my sons to see it. And then my wife complained that I didn't take her. So <laughs> it's the movie of the summer for a reason, folks. Uh, but I was very surprised the second time I got to see it in the theater. Um, and it's just a very minimalistic yeah. Nolan trailer. It doesn't tell you anything. It's vague. It's pretty vague, but uh, I'm There's excited. A- Weird time things like it's counting down to the release of the movie and the end of the world. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) can't I can't wait to see what watches are featured in this one. (laughs) Oh, yeah, pocket watch. Oh, yeah, it's it's the era of beautiful fashion too. The nineteen forties, hats and watches and oh, boss suits. I mean, not boss suits, but like. Wait, the boss wasn't around back then, but they had awesome tailored suits back then. They did. Nice suits, nice hats. Uh, it's really when wristwatches took off. It was the World Wars. Because wristwatches were like a ladies thing until the World Wars. And then by World War II, uh, like every soldier had a wristwatch, like a field issued wristwatch. And then they, they, they took off. Yeah. So The history of watches is actually fascinating. <laughs> it is. It totally is. Uh, anyway. Yes. Okay. Let's, let's get into it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Red team up first. So I am still at the restaurant with Kat. Mm-hmm. It's a long date. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it is and it isn't. <laughs> uh, we, uh, we left off last week. The protagonist has made a proposition and said, uh, not that kind of proposition, yeah. um, <laughs> has said, you know, where's the drawing? He's like, I'll find it. I'll take it out of the e- equation so that he can't hold it over you anymore. That's where we left off. Yeah, not a Bond uh, movie. Not, they're not going to sleep together. No. In the second act. No. <laughs> no. So the protagonist says, I might just be your second chance. Uh, and Kat says, I don't know. I don't need redemption. And the protagonist says, at betrayal. I love that. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of like incep- he's inceptioning her. <laughs> like, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm not trying to help you with redemption. I'm going to help you with revenge. <laughs> <laughs> right? Is that how you read that? Uh, yeah. I think okay. So. Um, and then the men start approaching the table. This is Seder's muscle. The protagonist says, friends of your husbands. And then uh, the big guy, what's his name? Oh, Volkov? Volkov, yeah. Volkov sits down at the table. Um, and protagonist says, you knew this was going to happen. Like, actually surprised and like almost a little disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Kat says, don't worry, they won't kill you. Andre dislikes tangling with local law enforcement on that level. And the protagonist says, you must have really not liked the look of me. And now Kat starts standing up. The look of you is fine. Uh, it's, be- it's best 
to get to the nasty part before I care one way or the other, which is wild. Like, you know, she's scarred. She's been through this before. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, It's actually a pretty good line. He gets up. He gives her like a hug and kiss goodbye. He says, there's a number in your left coat pocket. Don't call from home. And Kat says, you won't be taking my call. Protagonist starts to sit back down, says, I might surprise you. Uh, now, Kat is... Wait, this a, is interesting. So it, this implies he slipped the number in at some point? When they, that, like, they like embrace to say goodbye, oh, okay. right? Like, okay. so he, he gives her a hug and a kiss, and you can, you know, he slips, he slips something in her coat pocket. Okay. Yeah. Um, now, Kat is escorted by one of these goons through the kitchen, which is interesting. Like, is there any reason that they're leaving through the kitchen other than to show us that, like, there's something about to go down in the kitchen? I think it's like, it's from what I know about like being a big VIP is if you're really big VIP, you come in through the kitchen. Why? Why why is that? uh, You know, for like security reasons. Okay. So if you have a security entourage, they come in first, talk to the staff. And be like, okay, I got an important person here. We're not coming in the front door. Gotcha. Okay. I'm going to have a guy in the back watching your back door. There's going to be guys in the front. And uh, we're going to bring in, uh, you know, the VIP through the back door. Got to control those uh, ingress, egress ports. That's fair. Yes. Yeah. Um, So they start leaving through the kitchen. Then we see another goon pick up like a kitchen mallet right uh which is fun like this is this is just oh here a, we go yeah this is fun <laughs> setup right we're not getting to it this week uh but it's about to go down uh so anyway they exit through the kitchen we see the goon pick up the uh, the utensil then we cut back to the table the protagonist looks around stands up uh as if he's getting ready to leave we cut back to outside cat and the the, the other goon are that escorting her they start walking across the street and that's the end of my minute oh okay yeah what a clip it's it's ramping up though yeah it is it's building up to something something's about to go down and (laughs) it's going to involve a cheese grater yeah interesting choice Uh, (laughs) all around (laughs) um oh and some hot sauce anyway yep (laughs) that's it that's my minute that's it okay that's it pretty easy yeah uh blue team you're up i am up okay so uh, i touched on this in my last minute we saw the end of this conversation this is a conversation between neil the protagonist and cat it's happening in the wheelhouse of the backwards moving uh freighter um so we saw the end of it um last week where they let me see uh, where Cat expressed uh, worry that her the last thing her son would see is her killing her <laughs> the, the, the boy's father. The freighter yeah. is moving forward in time, but our our people are moving backwards in time. Our people are moving backwards in time. So our perspective is so we can understand what they're saying. We, the camera is inverted in this shot. Right. Right. Okay. Mm. Yes. <laughs> Okay, uh, so I'll get right into it here. They were just talking about the dead man switch, um, which I think this conversation explains better. We might have had it wrong because as she points out here, they didn't know how the dead man switch works. They thought it was a, a safety in case somebody kills Seder at some point. But instead, it is 
a, a mechanism to ensure it goes out because uh, she explains that he's he's dying, she says. Inoperable pancreatic cancer is what Kat uh, tells them. And then the protagonist says, and he's taking the world with him. Uh, Kat then says, if he can't have it, no one can. A, a very narcissistic view of <laughs> many, right. many, many world leaders <laughs> have gone. Oh, she's biased, to be fair. It's true. <laughs> Interesting, there's something... Uh, there's something omitted in the scene that's in the script. Uh, so I'll read it now. It has no bearing. It just kind of draws out that one sentence. The protagonist says, what? After she said, uh, if he can't have it, uh, if he can't have her, no one can. And Kat says, it's something he said once. He has a child for God's sake. Oh, so it's basically just her doubling down on the, if he can't have it, actually in the script, it says, if he can't have her, uh, no one can. Uh, he's right. taking the world with him. If he can't have something, nobody can. So, And there's a couple other things just clipped out of this scene. Um, but then in she, the movie. She says that he has a child? Yeah, for God's <clears throat> sakes. So yeah, okay. just, just astounded at his narcissistic view of the world revolves around him and if he's dying, he's going to take the whole world with him. Right. Well, the protagonist brings that up to him in like their last exchange. Yes. And he says like my greatest sin was bringing in, was bringing a child into a world I knew was ending. Mm -hmm. But it's only ending from his perspective. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, Kat, uh, I'm sorry. And Neil points out, uh, he says her name, Kat in the movie. He does not. He just says, so he gets to choose the time and place for the end of the world. What moment? What does he choose? Uh, The protagonist says, you told me about a holiday where you let him feel loved. Kat says, Vietnam. In the script, she says, Vietnam on our yacht. Then she corrects herself, his yacht. Protagonist says, you said he vanished. What day? This is all. Wow. I mean, this just happened in my your, last it, episode. Yeah. In your last episode, they're recounting this exact conversation, it which is. is incredible memory for the protagonist. Like yeah, he went the, home and journaled this. <laughs> we couldn't like, we, we watched this happen like in movie time and you couldn't remember that details <laughs> no. of this conversation. I had to watch it like 10 times to pick up the, the part where he says, or she says he vanished. Yeah. It's like, Oh, did this happen in this movie? Cause <laughs> My head's spinning by this time. Um, Kat says, uh, um, uh, I went ashore with Max. He flew off. I I don't know what date it was. Neil says, the 14th, 10 days ago. How does he know that? Exactly. (laughs) Well, he goes on. Uh, He was in Ukraine. In the movie, the protagonist jumps in and says, at the Kiev opera scene. How did you know about that? Right. We okay. know that. Now we know, we know from watching the entire movie that it was Neil was also right. at that operation, but we like, so apparently Neil knew he was there, but we never saw him there movie wise. At the opera siege. Yeah. Well, you, you know, he's there because of the backpack. No. Seder. So yeah, Neil, we don't know. Yeah. Neil knows Seder was there. How does the he know pretend- that? I don't know. 
Oh. Well, he was there. It, we we have to. I guess we'd have to assume that there was stuff going on that Neil was a part of at that scene that the protagonist didn't see. Sater couldn't have been at the at the siege, right? It could have. I don't see why he couldn't have been. Hmm. Okay. Oh, let me reread what Neil said in the script. And I don't know if you can hear that, but my garbage is getting picked up right now. Nope. Uh, <laughs> okay, good. Uh, the 14th, uh, 10 days ago, he was in Ukraine stealing a section of the algorithm from an American team. That's okay. what Neil says. Then the protagonist jumps in at the Kiev Opera Siege. How did you know about that? Okay, Neil goes on. The point is, brushing that off, <laughs> he wasn't on the yacht. So that's his window. So Neil seems dead set that he knows Seder was somewhere else at that time. I wonder how he knows that. Yeah. This will all be cleared up in Tenet 2. <laughs> also just called Tenet. <laughs> Two tenant two, or maybe this was tenant two, and we're about, or the next one will be called tenant one. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, right. Uh, how'd you know about the point? Is he was not his yacht, so that's his window. Cat says to come back to that golden moment and have it be his last. Protagonist says everybody's last. We have to lift the algorithm from the dead drop without Seder knowing. If he believes it's in there, he kills himself. So that's the original plan going into this. It gets complicated by the fact that they talk to Seder and Seder knows what's going on, but still thinks it's going to get sealed in there. And then he dies before it's pulled out. But it, this is where the dead man switch doesn't make sense. <laughs> no, no. It like what? Yeah. Like that we're, I think we're led to believe the dead man switch triggers like turning the algorithm on. Yes, but only if it's in the dead drop. Well, no, it doesn't matter. Well, it we'll doesn't matter where it is. Next, no, next episode we'll jump into this. We'll dive into this, but oh. <laughs> I don't want to get too far into that um, in this minute. If he believes it's there, he kills himself. That's what the protagonist says, and then Neil says, "And not the rest of us." Where is the dead drop? Protagonist says, knowledge divided, friend. Yeah, they're calling each other friend already, see? Look at that. <laughs> I'm going to start crying. Yeah. <laughs> and Neil says, you're not going to tell me. Protagonist <clears throat> says, ignorance is our ammunition. Then he turns to Cat. I need you back on that boat. Cat <laughs> says, why? <laughs> and the audience also, wait, why? <laughs> and then he says, you have to stop him killing himself until we know that the algorithm is out of the dead drop. I guess she's the backstop in case they don't get it out. Right. So instead of killing him, she's supposed to keep him alive? She's supposed to keep him alive until they get it and disassemble it. And I guess she does do that for a little bit. She like, does. She, she, she shoots him. No, you're right. But for a little bit, she kind of just eggs him on. She goes, right. oh, okay, let me put some sunscreen on your back. Let me let yeah. me massage this moment <laughs> out for a little bit. She but does. It does. But it, if the other team is successful, her point being there isn't really necessary. Um, 
I guess it would be a problem if he doesn't kill himself and he remains alive. Then he'll keep hunting them and they have to do this all over again. Okay, that makes sense to me. Um, uh, so that's that's the last line is uh, you have to stop him from killing himself until we know that the algorithm is out of a dead drop. She then goes on. But if I'm caught there and my son sees, I don't want those moments full of anguish if those are to be his last. Protagonist says they're not. And that's the end of that scene. All right. All right. So big discussion on the mechanics of the, the dead man switch. Uh, <laughs> I, did that clarify it for you? The next conversation is big on the 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 dead man switch, which wraps up in this conversation, which sets up the plot of the third act uh, moving forward. I also like that it's a dead man switch because the only other time I know of a dead man switch uh, being used is on a train. Uh, In in case the conductor dies, it automatically engages the brake. So every like five minutes, there's a there's a switch that the conductor flips. Also, if he just falls asleep. Engineer. Engineer. (laughs) And oh yeah, the driver, the pilot of the. <laughs> Wait, no one seems to like trains, so he trains like and watches it. and yeah. hats. <laughs> he was born a century too late. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> is that a Doctor Strange mug on your shelf? Oh yeah, that is. Okay, I used to belong to one of those loot boxes for the kids. Got it. Okay, yeah. I just mm-hmm. wanted to clarify that. Mm-hmm. Uh. Sorry for the tangent. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. This has been episode 32. Uh, yeah, 32. Uh, thank you all for listening. If you've enjoyed this program, please take a moment to follow, rate, review on whatever service you found us on. And rest assured, we will continue our temporal pincer movement of this film next week. And until then, we'll meet you at the beginning. I'll see you at the beginning, friends.